episode number 377 with Noah Galloway. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to another edition and a powerful one with the inspiring Noah Galloway. For those that don't know who Noah is, guys, he is an inspiration to so many people around the world. He's a former United States Army soldier, a model and motivational speaker. He was injured during the Iraq war, losing his left arm above the elbow and his left leg above the knee. He was a contestant on Dancing with the Stars season 20, where he finished in third place. He led his team to victory in the first season of American Grit on Fox, and he is the author of the new book, Living With No Excuses, The Remarkable Rebirth of an American Soldier. And we went in deep today. I love this guy. I love when I get to just connect with a, another bro who has uh, got an athlete background and lived a great life and grew up in a great you know, experience and had a dream and then lost the dream, right? This is an experience that is similar to my heart where I grew up with a dream and then I lost it when I got injured playing football and I kind of lost my identity. And Noah wanted to be in the army and he lost his identity after he got injured and went through a depression for many years. And we talked about really how to get out of that depression and some of the challenges that happen when you're connected to family members and friends who are going through some type of depression, what you could do and how you can support people in that process. We also talked about Noah's definition of masculinity and how it's changed since being a soldier and what it was when he was a soldier. It's very interesting, the two different definitions. Also, what was more depressing to Noah than losing his limbs, why it's scarier to get severely injured than to face death for Noah, why Noah wouldn't go back to prevent his injuries if he could, which I thought was an interesting answer, and how women can help men move through any type of depression. Powerful, real, raw interview today. So make sure to prepare yourselves for some greatness. And without further ado, let's get into the show and let me introduce to you the one, the only Noah Galloway. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% 
20% off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PureLeaf. That's promo code 20PureLeaf for 20% off. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals, knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome, everyone, back to the School of Greatness podcast. Noah Galloway in the house. Good to see you, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming, brother. I appreciate it. You are one of the most inspiring guys in the world that I think. And I remember watching you back at Dancing with the Stars, season 14. Is that right? Season 20. Season 20. What am season I thinking? Season 20. Yeah, they go fast. What are they? It seems like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> season 20. Why did I say 14? But season 20, you were one of the contestants, and you made it to top three. Yeah, right? came in third. Came in third. And I came in third. That's missing arm and leg. Without and an I arm don't know how to dance. <laughs> no arm, no leg, and you don't know how to dance. No. But you made it third, and there was a, a shot in your book where of you dancing that you said is one of the most viewed videos on YouTube. Yes. I'll just show it really quick to the camera so they can see it. But Bob. we'll have that linked up as well in the show notes. One of the most viewed videos on YouTube was this performance. And I remember seeing it when it happened and being really moved by your story. Um, so let's talk about your story. Man. All right. Who are you? What happened? And what what got you to where you're at now? Well, you know, I was I was in college when September 11th happened. Oh wow! And uh, so was I watching Freshman. those. Yeah, yeah. So was I. Really? You know, and watching those horrors on television, I went for a run and decided that I needed to join the military. It wasn't a career decision; just I needed to do my part, and that's where I made that decision. Was on that run. I dropped out of college, enlisted uh, into the army, went through basic training, jump school, and then ended up with uh, the 101st out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. General Petraeus was our division commander, prepped us, and uh, in 2003, we were the lead element going into Iraq wow. uh, from Kuwait all the way up to Baghdad. Then after Baghdad, pushed the Mosul and took over the city there, and I found a career. I loved it. I loved my job and went on a second deployment in 2005, and they put us in an area southwest of Baghdad known as the Triangle of Death. And it was a rough area, and every unit that had been there before us had taken a beating, and we were no different. We lost a lot of guys. Mm. And, uh, you're 21 at this time. Uh, in 2005, I was 24. Okay. I was 24 and we were on a a convoy mission, just driving down the road. And I was driving the lead vehicle and had my headlights off night vision goggles on. And with night vision goggles, you can see well, but you can't see everything. And what I didn't see was a tripwire stretched across the road. When my front tires hit it, it detonated a roadside bomb large enough that when it hit my door, it threw this 9,000-pound armored Humvee flying through the air, and it landed in a canal running adjacent to the road. Thankfully, it landed wheels down because I was completely knocked unconscious, and they said the water was up to my chest. And they got me out of the Humvee and then got me back to, we were living out of an old potato factory, and medics worked on me until a helicopter picked me up, took me to a hospital in, uh, on a camp outside of Baghdad. Baghdad to Germany, Germany to Walter Reed Army Medical Center in D.C., and that's when I woke up five or six days later on Christmas Day. Ooh. And it was all news to me from my mom that I lost my arm and my leg. My left arm above the elbow, my left leg above the knee, my jaw was shattered, so my mouth was wired shut. I had severe injuries to my right leg and some injuries to my hand. And it was it was a horrible thing to wake up to. <laughs> I can imagine. You five know, days. Yeah, and unaware. It's like To me, it was like one night. 
It's just, you know, I woke up one day. Do you remember the accident happening? None of it. Because it was just like blindside, yes. unconscious. Don't know any of it. You wake up, no arm, no leg. Yeah, exactly. It felt like it's just a night's sleep. Yep. And then I woke up and two oh of my, my limbs gosh. were gone. I don't know what was worse, the losing two limbs or losing a career that I'd found. So many people go their entire lives without finding that thing that they're so happy it. with. And I, I was there and it was all taken away. And I, you know, I went through a lot of depression. You know, there's some ups and downs. Like at first I was like, I'm fine. I'll do good. Uh, and then I lived in this denial for a long time when I moved back to Alabama. And one thing I talk about in the book that a lot of people don't know is I really dive into that depression and talk about those mistakes. Uh, there's a whole, there's a, an entire chapter dedicated to me spending 10 days in the county jail, you know, just because I kept putting myself in these bad situations and then trying to dig myself back up and then getting knocked back down. And the only constant I had during all that were my three kids. And they were my constant reminder that, you know, I got to keep moving, got to keep moving forward. And that's what kind of pushed me through and then led to fitness and running obstacle course races, Tough Mudders, marathons, and ending up on the cover of Men's Health, being their ultimate guy and the world's largest men's magazine. And then that led to all these other things and then Dancing with the Stars and, you know, a lot of people that do know my story, they know of the Dance with the Stars, the men's health, the races, but the information I share in this book of the depression and the, you know, self-medicating with alcohol and just right. the bad decisions I made, I open up about. Yeah, the things that people don't understand. I mean, I used to play professional football down in your home state in uh, mm -hmm. in Huntsville, and I got injured Essentially, I was in a full arm cast for six months. I broke my wrist. They took a bone out of my hip, put it in my wrist. I didn't lose my arm, but I lost the ability to play football. Yes. And that was my identity. Yes. And I didn't have anything to fall back on. Mm -hmm. So for two years, I'm sleeping on my sister's couch, depressed, yeah. not motivated, not inspired, lost my identity. So I can relate in that sense of losing yeah, my identity. Yeah, no, that's exactly like, – that's why I want to do it because yeah. it is. It's like people envision what their future is. And you erase that, you remove yeah. that from their future. What do you do? People don't know what to do. It's miserable. It's it's terrifying it's for all of us. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So how long? Oh, I was thought season fourteen because it was two thousand fourteen. You're on the cover of Men's Health, yes. right? Okay, yes. that's what I was thinking. Um, so when did the accident happen? Two thousand. That was uh, Christmas of two thousand five. Two thousand five. December nineteenth, two thousand five is when I was injured. I woke up Christmas Day. Wow. Okay. So how many? How long did it take until you felt like you got back into the fitness world? You kind of got inspired. It was five years. Five years. Five years. Yeah. And out of depression. Yeah. And, and people would people ask me like, you know, what what did you think about the fact when you were in your depression? I didn't realize I was that I was that depressed until yeah. I was out of it and looked back, and I was like, wow, five years is a long time. It is. I mean, that's that's not just physical. That's emotional, you know, and mental recovery to what I was going through. And it was it was very difficult to you know to climb out of, and thankfully I just kept driving on because I wanted to be a better father. That's been my goal then, and it's my goal now. Yeah. How old are your kids? They are six, eight, and eleven. Two boys and a little girl. Wow, amazing. What do you wish more men understood about depression and how to manage it now that you're kind of out of it? You know, when it comes to depression, one, it's real. I think that we've come a long way. And understanding depression, we still have a long way to go. And I think that as a man, yeah, you know, this goes for men and women. But, you know, just to talk about men, it's it's hard to admit that you, you know, I don't want to say weak, but, yeah, your weaknesses, you know, and to be vulnerable and honest and to open up and say to somebody, I need help. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we as men, we take pride in like, I can handle this. I can take on whatever, or you don't want to talk about the fact that you can, I'm, I can be an emotional and I'm okay with it. I talk about it in the book. There's a, there's a part of the book where I talk about watching the notebook and I admit to crying. <laughs> yeah, you know course. what I mean? Cause of it's course. like, Hey, I have nothing to hide yeah. and I want to put it out there. And I think that one thing I found that once I could be open about my emotions, I'm not walking around, you know, just crying all the time. Yeah. You know, that just makes it weird. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I found that, you know, I went through where I had a lot of anger because that was displaced emotions. And once I found that I could be, you know, it was okay to be emotional, uh-huh. you know, and I, I am okay with my, my boys seeing that and right. my little girl seeing that, that it's okay. Well, I'm not as angry as I used to be. If that makes any sense. It's not, it's not, you know, I'm not bottling up one emotion and it coming out as anger in the other, you know, it's having control and knowing that, you know, sometimes you do get mad and sometimes you do get sad, you know what I mean? And to know how to control those. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found. And as, as men go through depression, it's, it happens. Yeah. And it's not a weakness. It may feel like it, but it's not. What advice would you give someone who feels like they lost their identity or got fired from a job or their career ended or they went bankrupt? Well, you know like what? I'll going tell you. through this transition and they're feeling depressed. What advice would you give All them? All right. So I use this example for veterans a lot. You know, if you, if you end up getting injured and out or something happens and you get out because I found a career and it was taken that away. That you loved. Yes. Now, I loved my time in the military. I am proud of it. But it does not define me, and I'm not going to live it every day. I love to call it, and I, I've coined this phrase myself. If someone else is using it, they've stolen it from me, <laughs> the Al Bundy effect. Okay. Al Bundy scored four touchdowns yes. in a single football game. And if you remember Married with Children, that's all he talked about. That's the only yeah. experiences he had where he, he dominated. Yeah. And then he stuck, miserable, selling, selling shoes, unhappy because he lives off that one moment. Be proud of that, but that's a chapter in your life. My military service was a chapter in my life that I am proud of. Mm-hmm. But since then, I've started other chapters. You know what I mean? And next there will be another chapter mm-hmm. and another. My right. story does not revolve around that one. And that's what I tell people. You know what? It is hard. You know, when something's taken away like that, it's hard to bounce back from. But you know what? Be proud of what you did. And especially if you were good at it, well, then say, all right, well, I was good at that. Now I'm about to be good at something else. Mm, yeah. What What about like a daily action or something that people can do when they're, again, when they retire or something happens, when they lose their identity, what could they do on a daily basis to remind them that like, hey, this was something that's great, but now I get to move on. Well, you know, I tell people easier that. easier said than done. It is. Yeah, it is. It took it me is. five years. took me two years. Yeah. You know, all these well, you know, I think the biggest mistake that we we send to, we tend to do to ourselves is we make these grand goals that we have. You know what I mean? And we try to make that leap immediately when it's made in little steps. Oh. You know, those small attainable goals. Yeah. And that's what you got to do. You got to say, "All right, well, what's what's the next next plan of attack?" Yeah. You know, what am I going after now? That's it. And what do I need to do? You know, and I've told I've told people I don't care, you know, what it is you find that you enjoy, you do it. If you love crocheting, we'll be the best crocheter <laughs> right, out right, there. Right, you know what right. I mean? But what you probably need to do is first learn how to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. start working from there. Sure. And that's what it is. It's like, hey, sit down, write out a plan, what you want to do, the kind of things you enjoy, and then start working towards those. Mm. Now, I read somewhere that um, it's scarier for you to get severely injured than to face death. Is that right? It was, Yes. Um, when I deployed, every time I deployed, I accepted death and that was okay. That was my job, that that was a possibility. And I always felt like I was going to retire an old man in the military or I was going to die in combat. Wow. And you know, that was where my mindset was. And to wake up in the hospital career over and not dead. I was that in between that limbo with an injury. I couldn't handle it. Now that was then. 
Now I'm I'm 34, be 35 this year. Got three kids. My life's in a different place. Yeah. Oh no, I don't want to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I got a lot yeah. I want to do, and I have a lot that I want to teach my kids and <laughs> see my kids do. I'm not that young soldier anymore. Yeah. But I was at that time. That was the mindset I had. Crazy man. Well, why did you love being a soldier so much? You know, I've always liked excitement and adrenaline. And nothing's more exciting than when bullets are flying. Not <laughs> <laughs> exciting or scarier, yeah. Um, but I, I can was, play football. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was this. You know, growing up, I've worked landscaping, construction, worked in a plant. Like I love, always looked for these tough jobs to make me feel manly. Right. And nothing felt more masculine than living with the locals. You know, and and being in a combat zone than that. There was one day I was on the. It was a two-story building, and the, the roof of their buildings are, are flat with a little wall, you know, because it doesn't rain there. It's so not worried yeah. about, you know, that. And I'm standing on the roof, don't have my my bulletproof vest on, my flag jacket, and don't even have my, you know, my blouse on the long sleeve shirt. It's just me, you know, T-shirt on, pants, and boots. And I'm standing there one leg up on the wall, and I'm just overlooking this village, you know. And I'm like, you know, I, mean, I could have been shot at any moment, but I had this this arrogance to me where I was looking over this village like, I can help you or I can destroy you. Wow. You know, that's the mindset I had. I kind felt like, like the God complex. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like I was, I was king of the jungle wow. and it felt great. Sure. And it was just an incredible, and I, I loved it. But then also I enjoyed working with the locals, Yeah. you know, getting to know them, you know, whatever they needed, trying to figure that out. Like it wasn't all just me trying to be this, you know, tough guy all the time. I, I enjoyed being part of something and, and just, you know, even regardless of what the grand scheme of things were, with the war in Iraq, that I don't get into, but my moments that I had, I enjoyed. To connect with people. Yes, and I found that again a couple of weeks ago. I went to Honduras mm. to a really poor area, this uh, city, Berlin, that's known as the Forgotten City on this mountain where there's just – it's a horrible, poor place. And to go and be there and working with the locals like that was the same feeling I had where I felt like I was accomplishing something. Amazing. It felt so good. What was your definition of masculinity when you're – When I was in? Yes. Uh, taking the most dangerous job possible and living it like there was no fear at all. Even though you, you felt it, you ignored it mm. and you went on anyway. That to me back then was the, that's what a man was. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like is the definition now? Now a man who is not afraid to admit his failures and mistakes and is, and show his emotions. You know, I could, I could meet a guy that, you know, has had a motorcycle accident and, you know, just completely just, Broke his hand and popped yeah. it back in place right there, like his, and talk like you know I just popped my hand back, whatever, and and ran a couple miles to go get help, whatever. I was like, wow, that's incredible, but I'm pretty sure it didn't go that way. You know what I mean? That to me is trying to hide something. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, no, if that's what happened, that's fine, but you know, don't be afraid to say How it, it felt, was the man. most painful thing I went through. This was like it scared the crap out of me. I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm. Um, that's real, and and then be able to show a, emotion. Uh, I, I have had conversations with people. I give a lot of speeches and there are certain things I've talked about and the emotion hits me talking about my kids mm -hmm. and I just feel it now, whether or not they see it. I mean, I know there ends up being a little quiver in my chin or something, but that when I talk about my kids, it, it, it means something to me. Yeah. And I'm not afraid of that. Yeah. And that's what I think being a man is now. That's great. Do you feel like your masculinity has been... Have you ever felt questioned your masculinity since you've lost an arm? And oh, leg or yeah. That was part of like, that was one thing that I struggled with a lot after my injury. I thought I was, I was helpless. I got, after I was injured, there was a divorce and I, I rushed into a second marriage. And, uh, after you got injured, then you yes, got divorced. 
Yes. Uh, and rushed into a second marriage. Is it because of the injury or is it because of your No, we were here? falling apart. Actually, what, when I joined the military, she took a back seat. You know, my concentration was my job. Right. And so it started falling apart. Yes. So it was already discussed, and then I got injured, and it was kind of, and we went ahead and split up. And then I rushed into a second marriage, and I remember one day trying to open something, and Tracy, that was my wife at the time, she came and opened it for me, and I was like, "It's not supposed to be that way, mm. you know. I'm supposed to be doing that for you," and it and it bothered me, it really upset me. But you know, as time has gone on, like it, I don't worry about those things anymore. There's other things I do. That, you know, still make me feel like, you know, I'm the man. I still do things. I can still care for somebody. But mm. I, if I can't open a pickle jar, I'm not going to sweat about it. You're not worried about it yeah, anymore. But it did. It really bothered me. So how did you learn to let that go? And what do you do now to feel like you are? You well, know? you know, I'll tell you, you know, now, like, I feel like, you know, when I was on Dance with the Stars, I was with, um, Jamie was my girlfriend for a few years and I proposed to her on the show. Wow. But then since then we've, we've split ways and we're still in contact. We're good friends. Um, but we thankfully realized it wasn't going to work before we got married. That's good. But when I was with her, like I made sure to do things like I always opened the car door for her. You know what I mean? Whatever it was, you know, and that's, that's the kind of person I am now. Like yeah. I go out with somebody, I want them to feel taken care of. Sure. You know what I mean? I'm not taking away from their ability to do it on their own. I was I was raised with three strong-willed sisters yeah. that are very successful, and I respect that. Um, but I also know that I can I can treat a woman a certain way, and that's what makes me feel like a man is mm. to make sure I'm doing what's right by them. Mm. Even if you can't open a jar. open a jar, yeah. Got you. Got I have you. no problem say saying we open this. Hey, for babe, me. can you open <laughs> this? For you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to enjoy this pickle right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included but you don't take yada yada in life so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide 
When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What are some things that uh, you used to enjoy that you don't feel like you can enjoy as much on your own right now? You know, that's hard to answer because, I mean, there's not a lot that... You, I went for a while where I was constantly trying to weigh out what I can do, what I can't do. Mm. And I've, I've learned to just not overthink those things. Right. You know, there's certain things that are different, uh, because I miss my arm, my leg, but I'm, and I'm also, I, for a while I was uncomfortable taking my leg off. If I went to the pool, took the kids to the pool, uh, I would sit back and just leave my leg on, uh, and not get in the pool. And now I don't mind. I'll take it off and I'll hop across that pool deck. Sure. Like it ain't Got to get in there. Yes. Yeah. Swim around, it. man. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it like now? Did I read that your, your father lost his arm as well? Yes. When he was 18, he was working in a plant and a machine malfunction squished his left hand and he ended up losing it. And my entire life, he's had one hand done construction. One hand. Yep. Not the whole arm, but one hand. No, yeah. One gotcha. hand below the elbow. And that was, that was a lot. Like we, we bonded after I was injured. More so than ever. Wow. Because he was able to tell me things. And then there was this part of me where I was like, you know what? If he did good with one arm, I'm going to do twice as much missing wow. on my leg. And it was uh, it was good, you know, to have someone to tell me the kind of emotions and the things I was I would experience. Mm -hmm. uh, because the doctor could tell me. But I would also think you don't know the real right. life. Right. Yeah, what it's know. like to actually experience it. And no my idea. dad did. So there was that aspect of things. So it was really good for me. Has your, um, how has your injuries uh, affected your capacity to care for and protect the people in your life the way you had done before you had the injuries? That's a really good question. So I always felt like the protector, yeah. the only brother with three sisters, you know, whatever it was, relationships, I was the protector. Right. And after I was injured, I felt I'd lost that. Like I was not the protector anymore. And it was, you know, something that, you know, there's just all these things that really made the depression really hard to come out <laughs> of <laughs> because I didn't, I felt like, you know, well, I'm physically unable. Uh, and then as I got back into shape and working out and then running these obstacle course races and doing mm -hmm. all these physical activities, uh, I have been in gyms and been able to especially like I love kettlebells. And I've done things with kettlebells, you know, that other people with their one arm couldn't do. And I started to notice that and see that I wasn't, that I'm still that strong guy. Mm. And, you know, suddenly I went from, you know, feeling that I didn't have the ability to protect to now I, I don't, not, I'm not saying I'm not Bruce Lee out there. Like if something <laughs> happens, I don't know, you know, but I don't have that fear anymore. Mm. I walk with a little more pride. Uh, that because when I was going through my oppression, people would see me and they'd ask if this is a war injury and they felt sorry for me and they, they just really felt bad for me in general. Then after I got back into shape, people would see me, ask if it was from the war. They felt bad about that, but then they make a comment about the great shape I was mm -hmm. in. 
And that's something I take pride in because I meet people all the time that have all their limbs and in horrible shape. Yeah. So I was able to use that to help build myself back up. Right. You know, I may not ever be a cage fighter, right. but you know, I feel like if I, if, if I have to, I can protect those around me yeah. uh, or, you know, or whatever needs to be done. Sure. And cause I see these, these other people that have no injuries and I don't think they could do that. Mm. Yeah. So how did dancing with the stars come about? Cause you <laughs> well, have to cover men's health. I mean, yeah, how did that come health, about first? So, that probably helped launch the yes, thing. Uh, men's health, making that cover. They got a lot of attention from that magazine. I was the sure first veteran and amputee to ever grace the cover of men's health. And I was asked to go on Ellen DeGeneres. And I had someone say to me, you go on Ellen and you're set. Right. And I had no idea what that meant. Absolutely. You know, but I was excited that I was asked to come on her show. Well, I did Ellen's show. 2014, and, right? Yep. Yeah. 2014. And immediately the phone started ringing. Uh, Survivor called me. Wow. They wanted me to come on. I thought, wow, that'd be so cool to go on Survivor. But then it's like X amount of weeks, no contact back home. Yeah. If you get you voted off, kids. you have to stay with the production crew. Oh. You can, and I was like, thanks, but no thanks. I have three kids here in Alabama, and I can't do it. Another show called, Turn Them Down. Then Dance with the Stars called, and they said, do you watch the show? I was like, well, I've heard of it. <laughs> I've never watched it. And they're talking about it, and they said, you know, if you do it, We'll put you in a house in L.A. for the duration of your time on the show. And I said, ah, you know, sorry, can't do it. I have three kids in Alabama. Can't be away from them that long. So I had an out. And without hesitation, Dina Katz, the executive producer, said, not a problem. Your dancer will come to Alabama, and you will rehearse there Shut and fly up. back and forth no. to do the live show. And I was like, crap, I guess. You have to do it. I guess I'll do it. You know, Wait, so you stayed in Alabama. Yeah, and rehearsed every week. And it came in once or twice a week? Was it one, once a week? We'd come day? in about Friday. Friday or Saturday, we'd come in. Then oh. we'd prep for the show, you know, Saturday, Sunday, and then do the show on Monday, and then, and then Tuesday morning head back. No way. And then the show, you don't take a day off. It's every day. Yeah, train, so it's train, like train. the days that we would fly from L.A. to Alabama, you're rehearsing into the evening and the night. In the morning and Yeah, night. and then because I was at home. I remember one day I went on a field trip with my son, and we were at this farm all day. I'm, I'm texting Charlie, like, I'm sorry, like, we're still here. She's like, not a problem. We rehearsed all night that night. Oh. You know what I mean? Because it's like you've got to rehearse. You have to Every get it down. Day. Yep. For how many hours a day? Oh, we would, I mean, it would vary. Like, we would put towards the end, we would start, Charlie and I would start at 8 in the morning. I'd have somebody bring me lunch in the rehearsal studio. <laughs> I'd eat in the rehearsal studio. We'd go, somebody would bring me dinner. I'd eat dinner in the rehearsal studio. We'd keep going to about midnight. I mean, that was the Is last Birmingham or where this. Well, so the last two weeks I came, came here full to, time. and because and, we were doing more than one dance you had to. and then we, it was getting more intense and the kids understood they were excited. They were watching every Monday night. Uh, it was, oh, it was awesome. Like my 11 year old, he would watch it with his, his pawpaw. And I remember one night uh, we had a dance. It was pretty emotional. And I got wow. a text from my 11-year-old that said, I was crying. Papa was crying. Wow. We're so proud of you. I mean, it was just. It was, was pretty great. epic. How many weeks was it? It was 10 weeks. 10 weeks. And you made it to the last week? or Yep. Last we, we did every single dance. And then stood down to the final three and they choose someone? Or yep. Rumor final. Willis came in first. Riker Lynch um, came in second. And I came in third. And I've met people that, you know, that were inspired by my story. They're like, you should have won. Mm. You got robbed. I'm like, no, Rumor deserved to win. They're amazing. Riker right? was amazing. Yeah. Look, I was not the best dancer on that show. But you were the most inspiring. Yes. And, yeah. You know, and the fact that I came in third, because when I did agree to do it, I thought, well, only last two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it would go the way it went. Amazing, man. What happened after that? What did that open up? Well, so I'll tell you, I remember, like, before we started 
when we were there at Good Morning America for the announcement of the new cast, Alfonso, you know, Carlton, yes. Fresh Friends, he had won the season before. He was talking to a group of us, and he said, you're going to rehearse nonstop. Like everything outside. For of, three months, right? It's is, like- that's it. And um, then he talked about how you're going to rehearse nonstop, and then when the show ends, you're going to feel like everything stopped because you were doing so much rehearsing. And then it's like. And he's like, but keep going. Keep pushing. And the show said, when the next season starts, they'll forget last season. So hit it hard in between. You mean with like the press, with the opportunities? Yeah, everything. Yeah. Whatever's coming, because they have the spring show and they have the, the fall season. So there's, yeah. there's two seasons a year. So you have until you. fall yeah. to knock it out. Well, boom, I started getting after it. People were contacting me for speaking, whatever, sponsorships. Fall comes around. The next season starts. Everybody, Dina Katz, Sharna, my dance partner, are you coming to the show to see us? I'm like, I'm going to try. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm so busy now. You know, and I, I then I, you know, I was able to drop by when I could. It was great to see everybody. Yeah. And then another season starts up. And then here we are going into another season. And it has been nonstop for me. Really? It has been amazing. It hasn't slowed down. It has not slowed down. Speaking opportunities. What else yes. are you working on? You know, speaking sponsorships uh, tied in with Tough Mudder. So I'm running their races again. Um, it's just been, you know, incredible to tie in Armatron watches. They're the timekeepers for the New York Yankees. Uh, they also, you know, they're a watch company. They're sponsor years now. Yeah. Like. I, I've tied into them. It's a nice watch, man. Yeah. It's clean. They, um. You know, they've been really good to me. And it's like, it's been fun to meet all these people and work with them and stay true to myself. And then they're, they want to work with me. Mm. Cause you know, when I said earlier that my kids were my priority to get out of the depression, they're still my priority. And I'll tell you what, I have had the offers come across the table that my management team's like, all right, so and so wants to offer you this. You got to do this. And I'm looking at my calendar, can't do it. Wow. I'm doing something with the kids, you know, and they're like, well, this is a lot of money. I was like, kids are more important. Mm. And, um, there have been times that a group, we wanted me to do something. I turned it down because the kids were important. Then they were like, all right, we'll, uh, do something. To, and if they want it, they'll Make do it. it. Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing is the advantage I have in this, in negotiating is I'm not looking for fame and fortune. I just want to be a good father to my kids. Yeah. And if all this happens because of it, well, then that's just, that's just icing on the cake. That's wow. great. But my goal is to take care of my kids, mm-hmm. and I will not turn my back on them just because wow. an offer for some money came up. Right, right. And there's been people like Armatron Watches that respect that, and they want me to be that person. Mm-hmm. So we, once we did one contract, we signed another contract because we've become a family. Mm-hmm. They have flown my kids up and sent us to Broadway shows Amazing. and things like that, and that's the people I want to work with. That's cool. You know, I'm not looking for anything big and glamorous. Sure. Uh, I want to work with real people because that's who I am. Mm, I love that, man. If you could go back and change that situation. Of being injured? Uh-huh. Would no, you? I wouldn't. You would I wouldn't. You know, and that sounds, you know, corny to say. You could be but in the Army for a long time and have a long career. I don't think I would have the relationship I have with my kids now if I hadn't been injured. I mean, without a doubt. Because you'd be I'd, gone all the time. Yeah. Too. Yeah. But, I mean, I'd, I'd love them, you know what I mean, and try to spend time with them. But. How I am with them now, and it wasn't just the injury that, that caused this closeness with my kids. It was the depression as well, you know, and especially when I was doing the book and looking back on that and having to put that in there, I was like, wow, I was a horrible person, mm. and I am so glad that I've come through that. Now, my claim to be a perfect dad, no. I make mistakes with my kids all the day. I can tell you story after story of that, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I am doing my best, mm-hmm. you know, and constantly trying to improve. Yeah. Was there 
Do you feel like your kids helped you get out of depression? Yes. By them just being around and yeah, being, I'll, I'll tell you because on you all day and well, what the most terrifying moment I had was when I realized I was showing my two boys what a man is, and that's what they're going to become one day. And I was showing my little girl how a man was supposed to be, and that's what she's going to look for one day. And I realized one, I needed to make a change, and two, I needed to make it fast because they were growing up. Mm-hmm. So. That keeps me. She's gonna be a teenager quick. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, guys trying to date her real quick. I man. know. Yeah, and I want to make sure that uh, it's not the kind of person that I was acting. Yeah. Wow, man. Powerful. What's missing in your life right now? You know, I don't think anything is right now. Um, of course, you know, I mentioned that uh, Jamie and I had split up, and that's been you know over a year, and uh, I'm not the player you know like i'm not the single guy you know i've I've dated around um i am picky and i think that the next thing that uh i feel corny even bringing this up but like i am looking for that next you know looking for a match someone that you know to have two failed marriages and an engagement that didn't work off you know i did my best you know what i mean uh but it's like i want to find that that forever yeah you know what I mean? And, you know, it's not anything I stress about because I focus on my kids and with work. Right. And that keeps me going. How do you handle those breakups gracefully or not gracefully? I mean, how do you handle those breakups? Are you talking about the ones that have been in between? I mean, the the, the two marriages. and Oh, those. I thought you meant all the yeah. ones that have been in between. It's like, no, I just quit texting them. No, you know, like I talk about it. I talk about all three of them in my book because they are all very critical in making the man I am today. And I speak very highly of all of them. You know, I needed them in my life in different times and they did so much for me. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful. And you know, those breakups happen, you know, and they're not easy. Even when you're like, you're in a marriage or relationship that is going nowhere. And even though you both know it, it's still not it, easy. Right? It hurts. It hurts. You know what I mean? Yeah. It hurts. So it's, it's, it's tough to go through those. And, um, I was just glad that I was able to, that I'm close with all of them and was able to talk, you know, highly of them in the book That's great. and being honest about it. What's your vision moving forward for your, for your life? You know, I, as I, I'd love to say, like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to accomplish all these things. My main goal is to continuing to become a better father. And, uh, I mean, I have my kids are six, eight, and eleven, and they still have different stages of their life they need to go yeah. through. Yeah. And I love that I get the opportunity to travel all over the country and share my story. And I hope I get to continue doing that. Uh, I love that people ask me to come on their podcasts and shows and share my story. Um, but my fifteen minutes is going to run out, and I'm not worried about it mm-hmm. because I my ultimate goal is being the best father I can be. And that's what I'm continuing to try to do. Yeah. You know, I've, I've done good with taking, you know, this opportunities that I've had before me. I've, I've been very cautious of how I take care of the things, I, you know, the, the success. Uh, I was lucky enough to become really good friends with Robert Hershevac mm-hmm. on Dance with the Stars. Yeah, yeah. And he's become is a he good friend. Season? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he has given me great advice on how to make sure that money is taken care of and things like that. So I'm all about just building that nest egg. If, if it keeps growing, that's awesome. But being a father is priority one. That's great. What's your biggest fear? 
I mean, my biggest fear would be something happening to one of my children. Like mm-hmm. that is, I mean, by far the most terrifying thing. It, it's, I don't even like saying that out loud, but I yeah. mean, if something happened to them, that would crush me. Yeah. What did your dad say when you were in a coma for five days and he knew you lost your arm, your leg? Was he, how did he feel? I asked him, I said, did you ever think one of your kids would lose a limb? And he said it never crossed his mind. He was too busy worried about him losing another one. And I can relate to that because it's like people have said, you've done so good that the fact you lost arm and leg. I'm like, yeah, but if I lose a fingernail, it's over. You know what I mean? Like I can't lose nothing else. <laughs> right. And it was funny for him to say that, you know, he never thought about one of us. And it just, he said it, it shocked him and scared him because there was challenges he went through uh, when he first got injured and the depression and he didn't want me to experience those things. He tried to help me, but you, you kind of have to go through your own struggles. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter. Like I could meet somebody that is going through or about to go into depression and tell them everything I experienced and what I learned from it. And that might soften it, but if they're going to go into it, they're going to go into it and they have to be able to want to come out of it and be able to get the help and want the help. Uh, that comes up a lot when I talk about veterans and their situations, their mental health. And I, I'm, I've told people, I'm not a doctor, so I can't speak on behalf right. of that side. But we could have though. the best you know, system out there for mental health for veterans. But if the veterans aren't stepping out and getting the help, and that goes with anybody. I mean, I, mentioned, I referenced veterans, but anybody in depression, and it's all about you have to want to get better. What's something that a, a woman can do? with a man that feels like they're depressed or feels like they're overwhelmed or stressed out? How can a woman, how can how, the, the significant other of a man who is going yeah, through or depression, a sister, a yeah, girlfriend, anybody, a, 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 you know, a mom, you know, someone who is close to the man, how can they connect with them to help them move forward in a positive way as opposed to stay in this negative cycle? Yeah. You know, well, I mean, you want to try to guide them to getting help, but then at the same time, without emasculating them. You yes. Know what I mean? You know, and that's the thing. That's what I was about to say is like, if you were going through something, if you were depressed and I showed up and said, Hey man, you know, I just came by to check on you. You know, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to say things to you. You're going to, whether you say it to me or not, you're going to be thinking, you're not going through what I'm going through. Right. So don't talk to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you don't understand me. Exactly. Um, I would advise somebody who knows somebody going through something like that to, and it's easier said than done, but <laughs> yeah, find somebody that has been there that they can relate to. There has to be a correlation with those two people, something they can connect with yeah. and they will respond better to that. And that person can help guide them to what got them better, you know, uh, cause that's what I would say. And, and yeah, you're right. Like, you know, a female trying a male can take that as emasculating. You know what I mean? And not respond to it well. But if they can get somebody that does connect with them, you know, stranger or not, that has been where they're, they they are and help guide them, you know, out of that, that's the best, that's mm-hmm. the best advice I could come up with. Yeah. So why'd you write this book, Living With No Excuses? Do you feel like that everyone makes excuses or is this more of... No, it's not one of these like, you know, in your face, gonna you need to get up and quit being, you know, a pansy about things. Yeah. Uh, no, it's more of my life and, uh, the challenges I went through and really an opportunity to open up about that oppression and be brutally honest. More therapeutic for you than anything. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I was, it's not all about the depression. I talk about dance with the stars. I talk about, you know, my childhood and, uh, deployments, things like that. There's a, I I like to think there's humor. I like to think I'm funny, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I wanted to do it. And when I was going through the book and writing it, and then after 
uh, it was done, I mean, there were moments I'm like, I can't believe I have to share this with people. But I had to remind myself that those little moments of talking about the depression is going to help somebody. And that's what I kept telling myself is somebody's going to relate to this. It may help somebody. You know what I mean? If somebody, like I was saying, if you can find somebody that's been in that spot, you know, if, if there's, if this can connect with somebody going through the depression and they see that, you know what, life sucks sometimes and you're going to be trying to move, you're trying to do better hmm. and then you get knocked back down. You have to get back up. Yeah. And my advice is, you know, like I talk about that one constant, my kids, you have to find that one thing. That is a reason to get back up, whatever it is. Mine were my kids. It could be anything. But if you can find that reason, you'll keep getting back up. And eventually, you won't have to get back up. You'll yeah. be on top. Yeah, that's powerful, man. Uh, a couple of questions left for you. I All want right. to make sure everyone goes and gets the book before I ask them. Living with No Excuses, The Remarkable Rebirth of an American Soldier by Noah Galloway. Make sure to go get this copy as soon as you can. It's in Barnes & Noble, online, all that stuff. And what's the main website for you? It's just your name? Uh, NoahGalloway.com. There you go. So you can check it out there. And social media, Noah Galloway, I'm assuming, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Twitter, and then and uh, Twitter is at Noah underscore Galloway. There's okay. another Noah Galloway, that's this somewhere. kid in high school. You know what? He's awesome because he will <laughs> he will direct people to me. Oh, that's good. He's awesome. I follow that's him nice. on social media. That's cool. That's cool. Are you on Instagram too or not? Yeah, Instagram. Yeah, Noah Galloway Athlete. Okay, cool. Yeah, awesome. that all started when I was doing all the races. We'll we'll tag you up on all the uh, show notes as well for this. Um, what are you most grateful for in your life recently? Recently, you're going. I'm telling you, it's, when they're my priority, they're my priority. And that you know, my kids. I have three of the most amazing kids. Mm. They are not only good looking. <laughs> uh, they get it from their mom. Yeah. Um, uh, but picture um, here, yeah, they are. Just good kids. Yeah. Uh, every one of them, great personalities, smart. They're doing great in school. Uh, every one of them, you know, different personalities, but they all mesh well and get yeah. along well. And there are moments every day that they do or say something that I couldn't be prouder. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. Um, this is a question that I ask everyone at the end called the three truths. Mm -hmm. Three truths. So uh, it's many, many years from now. It's your last day here on earth. And uh, you've done and accomplished everything you could ever dream of. Okay. And you had the, the greatest, longest life. You've done everything you want to do. You've seen all your kids and grandkids grow up. And one of your great, great grandkids comes to you and says, okay, here's a piece of paper and a pen. We want you to write down three things you know to be true from everything you've learned that you would pass on to us. We don't have anything else we can remember you by except for these three things. What would you say are your three truths? Okay. First one is... um. No one ever said life is easy. You know, we've all heard that. Uh, and I think that's true. Second one, always be honest with yourself. Because, you know, we too often we cannot be who we need to be because we're lying to ourselves mm. on who we think we are, who we're trying to be. Uh, the third one, um, take care of those around you. Uh, because if you don't have those around you, uh, you have nothing. Great truths, man. Um, before I ask the final question, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, Noah, for your incredible heart. You've got such a big heart, and everything you do inspires others. How you've recovered, how you step up, how you give to your family, to your kids, and how you care so much about serving others. You're an amazing human being, and I just want to acknowledge you for your constantly showing up and giving and giving and giving. So thank you. I acknowledge you for your heart and your courage, man. It's been really cool to see what you've created 
since a tragic accident and how you've overcome it. It's not easy. And, uh, I acknowledge you for that, man. Thank you so yeah, much. Of course. And the final question is what's your definition of greatness? Definition of greatness. Oh man. Let's see. Greatness is setting out to accomplish and achieving a goal. Um, you know, that greatness may not be, uh, being the most powerful and successful CEO. It might be a second grade school teacher that is working hard every year to get every one of those students to move forward in some way, you know, not looking at the class as a whole, but as individuals and getting them to move forward, you know, whatever it is, it's having a goal and achieving it. You know, it's going after it. It's having those dreams, uh, and, and, and making them realities. No, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. And there you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Make sure to share it out with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 377. If you know someone who's gone through any type of adversity or they've lost a job or they've lost someone in a relationship or they're going through a depressing stage of their life, please, please, please share with them this interview. I think it will support them and give them another perspective. Give them some tools and education on how to move through that depression. We all go through challenging moments in our lives, and it's nice to hear some feedback on how someone else went through it in a very dark, challenging time of losing literally parts of their body and losing their identity with their career in the process. Share it with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 377. Get the word out. Let's support Noah. Grab his book. Follow him on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere and let him know what you thought of this episode as well. I love you guys very much. I thank you for being here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Great.